From the Bob Barley Studio in Orlando, Florida, you're listening to The Diz Unplugged. Welcome to the Diz Unplugged Roundtable Discussion Universal SeaWorld Edition for June 2010 from Orlando, Florida. I'm your host, Pete Werner, joined this week by my good friends, Kathy Whirling, Walter Eccles, and Max the Intern. We're actually recording this on uh, on uh, Memorial. Memorial Day, so we're, it's a light crowd. Um, now, this month, our show is devoted solely to all things Harry Potter as the new Wizarding World of Harry Potter was open to select guests starting on May 28th. This was in advance, is in advance of the grand opening of this new area at Islands of Adventure, which is scheduled uh, for June 18th. That's when the general public is going to be able to get in. We were, uh, we, we were lucky enough to grab uh, Wizarding World of Harry Potter packages, well, Depends on how you want to look at it. Yeah, really. Um, we had gotten them early, and uh, so we were able to be there among the very first general, you know, of the unwashed masses uh, to get into uh, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter uh, last Friday, the 28th. So uh, we are going to forego the normal format for uh, this show, and we're going to dig right into uh, our discussion of the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Uh, we have spent the last four days getting um, up at five o'clock every getting morning. up at five o'clock every morning, uh, pouring over virtually every inch of uh, of Wizarding World of Harry Potter, and uh, we have definitely formulated some opinions uh, on some things. We all agree on some things. We have a different take, but uh, there are plenty of opinions to go around uh, regarding this. Uh, first, a little bit of a background. I want to make it clear to anyone listening to this that the Wizarding World of Harry Potter is a land, is an island within the Islands of Adventure theme park at Universal. It is most certainly not the theme park within a theme park that Universal has been touting for basically three years now. In fact, in just walking around the area, uh, it seemed to me that this is one of the smaller Islands is, in uh, Islands of Adventure. Definitely, it's very um, small. I think it is the smallest. Isn't well, it? I, I, I well, we didn't measure it, so oh, well, I'm you just know, we don't know. <laughs> but uh, I, I can just say that after spending time in in Harry Potter, walking into Seuss Landing, Seuss Landing felt like this expansive, expansive uh, area coming out of it. It's a very small uh, area, uh, smaller than it really should be. Correct. Um, now, uh, Universal first announced this project in May of 2007, and it has taken them three years now to get it to where it is at this point. And honestly, I, I could say that I think they probably could have used a few more, a few more months uh, to get this ready. I think they were uh, pushing to get this open spring of 2010, and honestly, I think it would have been better had they waited a few more months, because operationally they are just not ready for this. No. They are not ready, and shame on them for not being ready. But we're going to get into why in a little bit. Um, now, the first indication that we had of when this was going to be open came in early March when Universal released the Wizarding World of Harry Potter packages, promoting exclusive access to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter beginning on May 28th. Now, we along with every other human being who bought this package, thought 
that, uh, you know, we were going to get early access in there, but that we were going to have at least a good portion of the day to spend in the area. At no point did they build this. As one this, would normally think. Right. Yeah. At no point did they build this as a preview or a soft opening or anything else. At the point that they released these packages, they had not yet announced their official opening date. Correct. And, you know, if you go back and listen to some of the shows where we talked about this, we said, oh, they're probably going to have this in soft opening somewhere in mid-April, mm-hmm. maybe early May, uh, to start getting the bugs worked out. I mean, never in a million years did I think Universal would have the stones to charge people for, for to basically be their guinea pigs. Yes, and that's yeah. exactly what right. they did. And a premium at that. And they charged a premium for this. These were not cheap packages. We had two rooms at the Portofino Bay for three nights that did not include park admission because we all have annual passes, and it cost $1,800. These were not cheap packages. That's $300 per night per room for a room that normally goes for about 225 So keep that in mind. But I was okay with that. I was okay with that. What I wasn't okay with was we get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and we get over there and we're in line at Islands of Adventure. We're up near the front. And as we're walking into the park, we start hearing people say they're only going to keep this open for two hours. Two hours. And mm-hmm. we're like, no, no, there's no way. But sure enough, as we're walking into the, the area, you've got a cast member there saying... Please enjoy the Wizarding World of Harry Potter for two hours. You'll have to leave at 10 a.m. Now, this is Universal's first introduction to the general, this, of this area to the general public after three years of hype. And this is how they start, disappointing the masses because you had a lot of... Of very pissed off people. Oh, I was right. one of them. Well, remember when we were standing in line, the cast member was like, "No, I don't think you're going to be able to go there today." Well, yeah. this this go this this is an issue we're going to get to in yeah, a little right, bit. Right. Why anything that's wrong with Universal could be solved by firing the people who are in charge of Universal, um, and we're going to get to that in a little bit. But um, so immediately, you've got a lot of really angry people. Now we're talking. On Friday, it was just the package holders. They weren't letting anybody else in. You had to have the Wizarding World of Harry Potter package. And I had predicted accurately back in March when they first announced this that they were going to have a huge problem with their on-site guests who did not know about this package or had booked before this package was released. They have a huge problem with their on-site guests telling them, you can't go in. You had to buy this special package. And sure enough, they did. They had an angry mob outside the park wanting to know why they weren't allowed in. So I was right there. I've been right about everything I predicted about this. If you go back and listen to the shows, I have been right. I was proven right on everything I said. They, um, they let us in. Like I said, you've got, you've got all these upset people. And there's like maybe 500. And the area was packed with these 500 people. Well, then you got everyone in a panic because everyone's like, I only have two hours. I have to ride Forbidden Journey. So then it's like, you know, the stampede of let's get in line, let's try to ride, let's try to see everything. So it was just like everyone was all hyped up and angry trying to see what they could in the two hours that they had. So that really just set a bad tone for the entire experience. But when we got there the first time and they said two hours, the ride wasn't even open yet. Yeah. And they said it might not open today. We don't know. Yeah. And, you know, the, uh, 
I went in fully expecting that, you know, this is a new ride, uh, new technology. There are always bugs, right. always. I knew that they hadn't done a soft opening on this, so that it had not been fully shaken down. So I knew that, you know, it was going to be up and down. That I would have been fine with. I didn't realize that if, you know, they weren't able to get this ride operating in the first two hours of the day that we weren't going to get a chance to ride. That's what upset me. Right. That's what upset me and everybody else everybody. because oh, yeah. after I talked to guest services um, about this, I was told hundreds of complaints had come in well, about I mean, this. Well, really, couldn't they have thought of that? I mean, it's well, like you were, being, you were paying extra to be their guinea pig. This is... Everything that I see wrong with this can be traced back. Everything I see wrong in the whole Harry Potter area. And let me tell you, there's a lot to like. I want to be really clear here. I'm not going to sit here and say that because the package, we had a bad package experience, that 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 bleeds over into the experience we had in the actual area. Because when we get to that part of this and we review it, um, I've gone out of my way. I've been beating it into their heads. There were people sitting at the table. (laughs) that we have to look at this from the standpoint of what it's going to be like when it's open to the general public. So all those issues are put off to the side. Right. There's a lot to like there is a in lot the Wizarding like. World of Harry Potter. The problem is it's located at Universal Orlando, and Universal Orlando is run by morons, <laughs> flaming, knuckle-dragging, mouth-breathing morons. Anybody that could put this package out, Knowing, because you're not going to tell me in early March, they didn't know. When they put this package together, they knew they were opening this on June 18th, and they knew that they were going to be charging people to be their guinea pigs. And that, I'm sorry, if you're going to sell the package like that, then you've got to sell it as a preview package. Correct. You right. don't sell, because that, that word preview never came up. was no. nowhere. was nowhere in the collateral, was never mentioned, never once. And they knew it, and they went ahead and did this. What they did, in my opinion, was perpetrate a fraud. They perpetrated a fraud, and they took money from people they had no right to take. Now, I'm okay if you, say, if you put it out there and you say, this is what we're doing. If you want to be among the first to get in there, we're going to open it for a limited time. Soft opening. Each day, this will be a soft mm-hmm. opening. It, you know what? A lot of people, I would have still booked it. I still would have booked it. And managed expectations. Then, you would have known then I would have getting. gone in knowing and everyone would have been happy. But you know what? Because that's what Disney – well, first of all, Disney in a million years would never have put out a package for a soft opening. Disney would never have done this. Universal – and I really, after talking to some people, I get the impression it was intentional. I really do. I do not get the impression that this was an accident because I spoke to one person – who said to me, hopefully guest services will smooth this over and it will be a distant memory in a couple of months. Now that to me says you have such a disregard for your guests. It defies logic. And guest services was not, according to what I was told, guest services wasn't even aware that they were doing this two-hour opening. They weren't aware of it until the really? morning, the wow. mo- Friday morning. So so then it comes down to communication. It comes down to organization. And this is another place where Universal has just fallen flat in its face. When we got there Friday morning to check to, to get into the park, there were cast members out in front who had no idea they were even opening 
Harry Potter that morning. They had no idea. But they're telling us, yeah, they, they didn't think it was June 18th. Oh, no, that's yeah. not going to be open until June 18th. No, no, we're here for a special package. And then they had to go and ask somebody, oh, oh yes, 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 you, you are getting in today. We don't know if the, it was, the ride's going to be working, but you will get in today. It was just, it was you know, and not done well. So, I mean, it was just cluster fudge uh, to clean it up. Um, so, where this package is concerned, I got to say, Universal. You know, I, I've been using the expression probably too much. Universal could screw up a two-car funeral. I spent the last four days saying, ladies and gentlemen, a two-car funeral. Yeah. Because that's exactly what they have done with this. Only Universal could have screwed this whole thing up on the levels that this is screwed up. Uh, and I am really hoping that between now and June 18th, these idiots get themselves get themselves together. Because they have, if not... The failure of this will be – it's going to be up there with, like, Ishtar. I think, I think they're tightening up because I think the massive amounts of complaints and the intense anger that they're hearing from the people who bought the packages, I think they're looking at some of the things which are truly stupid. And, like, today when we got in, it was much smoother than oh, any yeah. other day we've had. Well, but the number of people who have said, I will never come back to Universal again. This harkens back to when they first opened Universal Studios and nothing worked and managers were standing at the turnstiles handing out free passes for return visits because they didn't know what else to do. That was, what, 20-some-odd years ago. You have learned nothing in two decades. Maybe that's because you change management like we change underwear. And you keep hiring the same stupid people over and over and over again. I don't know what it is. I don't know why you can't attract talent. And you have proven it with this package in and of itself, let alone some of the things we saw once we got in. So let's get to that part. Yeah, yeah. Let's, the package was bad. We'll package was bad. Next. <laughs> but like I said, that's not going to matter to people. I, I will say this. If you are on the Wizarding World of Harry Potter package, arriving before June 18th, and you are not okay with a two-hour window for, uh, to, to be in there, call and demand your money back. Call and demand your money back. Call your credit card company if they won't do it. Do not let them get away with this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hound them until I get... They owe me $250 by my calculation. They owe me $250 back. Uh, and and I, I want my money back. I want that 250 back. I'm not going to ask for the money back on the hotel room because the hotel room was fabulous. Right. Portofino, no complaints there. Three room, six breakfast. Three room, six breakfast was, was excellent. Yeah. But we're going to get to all that. Yeah, yeah, right, so right, right. we get in. We walk in, and what they were doing was they were gathering everybody at a rope drop at the end of the main drag uh, of Islands of Adventure. And then, you know, they would announce to everybody, you know, walk, don't run, and they escorted us all back. This was two hours before the park opened to the general public. And, or, I'm sorry, an hour an before hour. the park opened to the general right. public. They, listen, they let us in at 8 o'clock. The park opened at 9. So they walk us back. And I will tell you, my first impression was, okay, the theming is amazing. Yes, it was, it was. very it was awesome. It, I, I, I have to say that... The attention to detail was... Mm-hmm. Was phenomenal. Yeah. That I do not know uh, of another area in another theme park that I've ever been to as good as this. I think it is by far the best themed area in a theme park that I've ever seen. Maybe there's something somewhere that's better. I haven't seen it. 
you know, Universal can only take so much credit for that because the person responsible for that was the guy who did the set design for the films. <laughs> so, you know, um. again, the theming, absolutely amazing. As soon as you walk in, you're walking through this large archway with the Hogsmeade sign. You're, you're entering the village of Hogsmeade, the town of Hogsmeade. Now, if you are a hardcore Harry Potter fan, you will notice immediately there. that the stores that you're seeing are not from Hogsmeade. They are from Diagon Alley. Yeah. Um, so from, you know, if you're a purist, you'll notice that immediately. Uh, but, you know, you can suspend some of that stuff. Right. I mean, there is um, a number of, of, well, not a number of shops. There are a few shops located around. It's a very small area, though. Very small area. One of the you know the first thing you see on your right is the Hogwarts Express, the train that brings the students yeah. uh, into Hogsmeade and to ultimately to to Hogwarts, the school. Which I mean, fantastic. I mean, it's oh, yeah. exactly like it is in the movie. And then right up past that is the butterbeer cart, yeah. so the big barrel in the middle road, of the road. In the middle of the well, off to the side, but yeah. yeah. And I can tell you. Butterbeer, unbelievable. Yeah, no, see, I didn't like it. I uh, loved it. I loved it. Too. I loved it's it. It's okay. I and, mean, you know, I, it's not something, you know, fortunately, it's not something I'm going to have access to <laughs> multiple times a day because I would have real problems with my blood sugar. I'm being, I, as a diabetic, this is not something you should mm-hmm. be drinking. Although, I was told that at J.K. Rowling's insistence, the calories in butterbeer are no more than they are in a comparable amount of orange juice. So it's not really, but you know what orange juice does to your blood sugar too. So um, I wouldn't. That's one thing I would not want to know. I would not want to know the sugar content of it. But I can tell you that it's um, they have. uh, There's two ways for you to buy it. You can buy it just in a regular plastic cup, or they sell you a souvenir mug. Uh, The souvenir mug is nine fifty, and I believe the plastic cup is three fifty. Yeah, three. Yeah. Uh, The plastic mug looks like it holds more though. To me, I think it does. Yeah, it looks like it. Should. It looks like it should. Yeah. Uh, the plastic mugs are neither microwavable or dishwasher safe. Should note that, but uh, didn't stop me from buying like four of them. <laughs> How much is a refill? A refill is three fifty. It's a, It's like getting a uh, a regular cup. Yeah. Okay. So <coughs> you have two options with the butter beer. You have frozen or you have uh, cold, and. Uh, Max liked it frozen. I loved it frozen. I preferred it cold, but uh, and they put a head of uh, cream on it. That it's it just amazing. it just like adds that extra little touch. And oh my god, it was so good. I kept you know I kept I really tried not to. It's addicting. Oh yeah, it's addicting. It's and really I I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that a lot. I think I had like seven cups of it while we were there. Close. Yeah, it was it was really good. It was really good. Um, the first thing we noticed, the first place in a, a noticeable line formed was at Ollivander's wand shop. Now, Ollivander's is actually, there's like two parts to Ollivander's. The place where the line is forming is for, there's a little show, and we have a video going up with this. We have a lot of video going up with this. But uh, there's a whole show. They let about 25 people into the wand shop. One person is selected at random. at random, and that person gets to 
interact with the character and the sword. I mean, the, and the wand. The wand. <laughs> yes. Get, you know, they go through the process of how a wand is picked. If you watch the very first Harry, uh, Potter. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, uh, that's where you saw. You know, the wand picks the wizard. And- yeah. Yeah, if you're watching the video, you may not want your kids to watch it. They want to be surprised during the event itself. So, well, I'm sure the kids have watched it, but you know, and yeah. it's it's the actor is the actor playing the, the the wand keeper or whatever the shopkeeper was wonderful. I mean, really and truly, they really the, you know the the guy we were talking to the, the, this week, he said that the other guy was fantastic yeah. too. So the two of them are supposed to be very very good at what they do. And he, they did an excellent job interacting and performing with the wand. So right. Um, now, next door to Ollivanders is where you can actually you can, and you don't have to go through Ollivanders to get yeah. there. But next door to Ollivanders is where you can actually just buy a wand. Yeah, uh, and it's all the characters' wands, basically. Yeah. So and wands range in price from I think it's like twenty eight, like thirty dollars up to like three hundred and fifty dollars. You can spend up to three hundred and fifty dollars on a wand. If really, you I didn't see that. I didn't see that. So, there are some expensive wands. Uh, if you're you're so inclined, you can also. But and now in the back of the wand shop is uh, Dervish and Bangs, which is where they have a lot of other clothes, uh, the clothes, the cloaks, uh, all the different yeah. outfits. And and this is one area where I give them really really high marks. If if you listen to the show on a regular basis. You've heard us complain about Disney and how Disney has homogenized all of their uh, all of their merchandise where you can buy the you know the same things you can buy in Tomorrowland or the same things you can buy in Fantasyland there's yeah. no difference uh, all of this not there was not one universal t-shirt no, to be no. found here all it was all exclusively Harry everything Potter everything was all Harry Potter merchandise and it was all Unique. Most of it, I would say, is really true to things you've seen in the movies. Whether it's the wands, the scarves, the robes, patches of the patches houses. of the different houses. Uh, even you can buy a Nimbus two thousand. Uh, yeah, yeah, they have they have them on sale. Uh, you can buy the broomsticks and things like that. They got uniforms, the entire uniform. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. The ties. Yeah, uh, and I, I have to say that. The, the the merchandise, I you know even though the stores are small, and they're cramped and they get crowded fast, especially if you want to buy a wand. Oh, oh it dear is God! Yes, virtually, it's a nightmare. We're talking about a space that can't be more than one hundred and fifty to two hundred yeah. square feet, and they are packed. Really, really too small. Thirty, forty people are in there, and you can't open the door. And that right. was a constant. That was one thing I noticed. That was just from, uh, you know, from a, a, a design standpoint. That door should open out, not I in. I think legally they're supposed to. And I was surprised. No. You're right. It does open in, and the, it should not do that. When they do the uh, Ollivander show, it empties into the wand shop, and it's already packed in there. Exactly. So. And a lot of people are under the impression that anybody who wants to have the wand experience in Ollivander's can. That's not the case. That's not true. One person out of the group is chosen to do it. You know, we were talking with a family whose one son really wanted to have that experience, and they were, as the father put it, 0 for 2 in in getting. They'd been through it twice, and their son hadn't been picked. So you need to prepare your kids. If your kids are really, uh, if that's something they're focused on, 
uh, you need to prepare them that they may not get selected. Now, I'm hoping – I don't know how Universal could change that I to give everybody who wants it the experience. No, I just don't think that it's not no. set up that way. No, it just isn't. Um, so you're going to be it's, – it's, it's usually in groups of 20, 25 people. One person is selected. Uh, what, it see, what, what I noticed the one time that I saw it, uh, the, the young man who got picked was in a robe and looked like he was in costume. Yeah. So I'm wondering if that will help your chances. If you're standing up front. Yeah, if you're standing up front, you'll get more of a chance. And I would also suggest really trying to make eye contact with the actor playing the, the, the shopkeeper. Um, and I think those two things will probably be you know, the only two pieces of advice I could give you. Well, on how to get selected. The first time I did it, it was a he picked an older woman to do it, who was a teacher for somewhere I don't know where, but so Hogwarts, was, of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but so that's Ollivander's. Uh, across the street from Ollivander's is the Three Broomsticks, which is the restaurant. Oh. And uh, they did a fantastic job. They were serving um, a breakfast. Uh, eventually, they will serve breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And we got it. I, we really, really, really enjoyed the breakfast. It was really good. I cleaned my plate. I think I ate absolutely everything that came out. Everything was, we get the. You have different options. You have a traditional English breakfast. You have a porridge American, breakfast. Ma- traditional Ma- American breakfast. Fruit. Uh, there, so there are uh, options. Apple. We got the traditional American breakfast. It was included with our package. Fourteen. It was. A, I think it was fourteen ninety nine a person. Yeah. Which, you know, for a plated breakfast is... A little on the expensive side. A little on the pricey side, but... It was good. It was really good. They put a lot of work into that. You could tell it wasn't just thrown together. Everything was prepared well. You had eggs, sausage, bacon, croissant, and uh, potatoes, breakfast potatoes. And everything was real... And a a drink. You you could have an orange juice, a coffee, water... Um, no, the drinks were a little small. So drinks were small. So you might want to get a water and a... Okay, now, I was reading that they... You go to a certain register, correct? And then from there, they like seat you, or they take you to somebody else, no. and they tell you where it's at. You well, go to you go to register number three. And well, then behind you is you're, you're told what whatever. number register to go yes, okay. to. Okay, yeah. And then the, there's a corresponding number where you pick up your tray. You pick yeah, up your but, tray, and then when you go into the dining room, they seat you. So it's not like part of your family no. sits over there while you go get the food and come back. Not right now. Not the way. From what we noticed, I, I didn't see that. No. Although you guys were, I went back for butter beer and you guys got seated, and I came and met up with you. It could be done because you can also be get done. butter beer there. You can yeah. all, you can get butter beer. I don't remember seeing coffee. You're saying coffee. I don't see that. I didn't see that as an option. I don't. Think. Well, yeah, no, it was, was it? it was on the menu. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, and I got to say, it was very, very good. If they can keep that breakfast the quality. At that quality and that consistency, they've got a good breakfast. It's a good place to have breakfast. Very good theming in the restaurant, too. Yeah. The high fireplaces, the, the antlers. It's, it, they did oh, a really yeah. good they, job. There is no area of the Wizarding World of Harry Potter that is poorly themed. Attached to the uh, restaurant was the Hogshead, the bar. The Hogshead Pub. Oh, uh, that was interesting. I, I didn't expect... I don't think it was open the first day because we didn't see it. The doors were closed. Yeah, I think the doors were closed. And do we but, want to mention that's the only place to get food? Yeah, in correct. The Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Other than the carts that are on the street, right. um, which have like fruit and different things. So you're going to be there. Someone asks questions about making reservations. Definitely, because the the days we were there, unless you had the package and the reservation that came with it, they were only taking reservations. They weren't taking walk-ins. Now, also in this area is the rethemed 
Dueling Dragons, now known as Dragon Challenge. Uh, the only difference between this and Dueling Dragons is the queue line has been changed. Um, it was the, the and and you know again they did a decent job with the theming. I'm not going to say it yeah. was bad, but it was nothing special. We no, we walked no. through the queue. Um, outside of that, there's really no difference. Same with Flight of the Hippogriff. They they did make some changes to the queue line. Mm-hmm. It used to be Flight of the Unicorn. They have Hagrid's hut. Hagrid's hut is there. And when you're going right, when you get on the ride. There's um, hippogriff sitting there. Right. Squawking or whatever they do, and that's about all that changed. So they they just kind of put a new template over two existing rides. Uh, then, of course, there is Harry Potter and the Forbidden Journey. This oh. is the this is the highly anticipated. New attraction, the centerpiece of the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, and this is located in Hogwarts Castle. Now, from the outside, I can tell you, uh, you look at this castle, and it is—it's brilliant. It's amazing. It's yes. Absolutely they did do an excellent brilliant. Castle. Uh, to look at this thing, it's just stunning, stunning, really brilliant. Uh, out in front, before you get onto the line, and this is where this is going to get ugly. Yeah. yeah. Um, out before you get onto the line, they have examples of the seats for this attraction. Uh, they have two. They have two seats. On the side of each seat is a red light and a green light. If you can pull the harness, the harness yeah. down until the green light comes on, then you can get on the ride. Allegedly. If you can't get to the green light, if you're too big, then... You can't. You will not be able to get on the ride. These are not working seats. They don't. They're not real seats like in the ride, though. They're supposed to be the same well, proportion. That, this this becomes the issue. This right. becomes the issue. Right. Now, going into Hogwarts Castle, n- there is no queue line in existence for an attraction anywhere. There's almost like two attractions. There's a um, th- the queue, and then there's the actual ride. Because some people just just walk through. Yeah. I. Cannot think of another queue line that is as unbelievable as this queue line is. Um, the queue line is as far as I was able to go because at 230 pounds, five foot ten, 230 pounds, I am too big to ride this ride. And so we'll get to that, though. What you're doing as you're walking through the queue line, you're walking through various areas of the Hogwarts school, representations of the school, as, you saw, as you've seen in the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, you walk through the greenhouse, mm-hmm. which really doesn't look anything like the greenhouse from the film. Fake plants. Or- yeah, there's fake plants in there. Which they seen, could have done more. You've seen some, some classrooms, too, before you get there. Yeah, they, they were just some... Yeah, well, you pass by, like, the potions, yeah. the potions classroom. You can hear stuff going on. Right, but the doors are closed. It's just you yeah. hear audio. Um, but you, uh, you go through there... Um, then you go into uh, one of the other areas you go into is uh, Dumbledore's office. Mm-hmm. And this is where you get to see Dumbledore in his office. Speaking. Uh, it's a holographic projection. And it's, and it's, it's really well phenomenal. Done. Yes. It's it phenomenal. It's absolutely phenomenal. Um, you go from there into the Defense Against the Dark Arts classroom, mm-hmm. and that's where you meet Ron, Hermione, and Harry, who that who tell you that you know 
If you stay here too much longer, you're going to get a boring lecture on the history of Hogwarts. Why don't you come with us and come see a a Quidditch match? Now, for those who are not initiated in Harry Potter, Quidditch is the game, the school game they play. It's like their football, their baseball, their, you know, this is what everybody's into. Play it on brims, yeah. And so they tell you that Hermione has uh, cast a spell on the bleacher seats that they can fly and that you can, so you can join them. As they as they as they do this, um, you pass from there. Plus, there's a great uh, a great effect at one point where Ron accidentally makes it snow on everyone. It's really that was great. That was really that is cool. fantastic. And then there's lightning. Yeah, it, 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 alternates. Alternates. it alternates. Right, these things do alternate, and so it's either snow or he makes uh, lightning. You go from there into the Gryffindor common room, which is and now mind you, as you're going through the queue. You see lots of these living paintings, and this is where they knocked it out of the park. Because these look like real, live oil paintings. These look like oil paintings that are alive. And it even has, if you look at an oil painting with a light, uh, if there's a light on and you have an oil painting, there's always a sheen Mm -hmm. that runs across it. Well, that sheen is there. I mean, you can see the sheen from the light. So it looks like an oil painting, but... They're moving and they're talking and they're interacting and they're going out of one picture and into another and it's it's amazing it's absolutely amazing and you see this you see this quite a bit when you get into the Gryffindor common room that's right before you're getting ready uh, it's not too far before you're getting ready to get on the ride yeah, right so they're kind of explaining to you that if you're you know if you have motion Most sickness sick, or you're pregnant problems, or back problems. problems heart problems you shouldn't ride this. Um, and can I say you really should listen on this particular yeah. one because I think we're all used to hearing those warnings. This but it really intense, does apply. Yeah, this is intense. And from there, now that's as far as I got. So why don't you guys talk about what happens after that point? Well, the first day they didn't have this, these new seats, but when we rode today, they have actual seats there that you have to sit down and try. Where, what are you talking about? Where? Like uh, right before you get on the ride, they have okay. they're pulling people out of the line. Say, "Come try, see if you fit," and all this. Now, the people they're pulling out of the line, though, are are the people they think are too heavy to ride. So, okay, now you can be too heavy, or you can be too tall. I think or, the the or height, too short height limit is six three. I think it's I I, I heard six three. Yeah, that's what I heard. Um, and, and obviously, the minimum the, the minimum height requirement is forty eight inches, four feet. Um, but. What they were doing is fat patrol, basically. They were fat profiling people. Unfortunately, that's what they were doing. And pulling people they thought were too heavy out of the line, making them sit in the seat. And if it didn't fit without it having to be pushed, they were telling you you couldn't ride. Now, the first time they do this to someone that has waited three hours, because this will be a three-hour wait at least on this attraction, the first time they make someone wait three hours, you're going to have really pissed off guests. Right now, one why of the would qu- you make people wait? No, till well, so they, then. you okay, could they have that one seat out front, but it's not an actual seat. Yeah, the proportions are supposed to be the fit. same. But people, some of the people we talked to, were able to fit in that seat and close it until the green light came on, which means they were the right size Sorry, to ride the yeah. ride. But then, and one guy even wrote it yesterday. Yeah. Today he's up there. We're talking to him. We've, we've met him a couple of times and this week. 
And they kept saying, we need you to try the seat. And he's like, no, I wrote it yesterday. I'm fine. I mean, I wrote it. Yeah, I went through yesterday. There was no problem. And they're like, they insisted that he sit down. So he sits down, and they gingerly close it, yeah. and it, it won't shut. And he's like, push it. And she's like, we're not allowed to. And he's like, push it. It'll close. It'll, it closed yesterday. And, and they're like, no, if it don't, if it will not close on its own, we cannot allow you to There's some to write kind this. of little flap of, uh, what was it? F- uh, like felt? felt. Or yeah. Saying, I, they, I never keep, s- they keep moving it saying, oh, it's not touching. We can't close it. Hmm. And I'm, what's the point of the felt? Well, be that as it may, what is the point of designing an attraction? That won't hold a lot of Americans. That basically eliminates 20% of the American population. One in five Americans is overweight. One in five Americans is considered overweight. And you overweight. don't have to be morbidly obese. We're talking about, you know, if you're, I'm 5'10", 230, okay? Now, I, I definitely can lose weight, but and I have. I've lost 40 pounds in the last five months. But at 5'10", 230, if I can't fit, there are a lot of people that are not going to be able to fit on this ride. But again, why didn't they say this as all the hype was coming out? Because, look, they also called it a theme park within a theme park, which is mm-hmm. a blatant lie. That, that's not even, you know, what, what I've definitely noticed is that a lot of the things they said to hype this have absolutely no basis in reality. Right. Right? Yeah. That is why the Wizarding World of Harry Potter does not live up to the hype. It doesn't mean it's not good. It just means that if you're going in there expecting what Universal has been touting for the last three years, you are going to walk out disappointed. Mm -hmm. Unless you are a hardcore, dyed-in-the-wool Harry Potter fan that has seen every movie, read every book, wants to wear the uniforms and the outfits, those those guys, that group, they're going to love it. They're going to love it. They're not going to find anything wrong. Uh, Anybody else, anybody else. If you're going in expecting what Universal promised, is going to be disappointed. Universal will lie, and they have, in my opinion. Um, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter is really special, and it's a great location. Is it something to base your vacation around? Absolutely oh, no. not. No. Absolutely not. Should you make a point of going to see it? Yes. Mm-hmm. Wait till the crowds die down. If, I, if you haven't planned to come already, if you haven't booked airfare and you're coming down here just for Harry Potter, do yourself a favor. Wait until January when the crowds in Orlando are historically very low. Wait until next year. This year is going to be a nightmare. It really is. Anytime you go, especially after the grand opening and anyone can go, it's just going to be nightmares. I would not... I will not be anywhere near that place. Mm-hmm. I will, I'll probably go over just to see what the crowds look like. All right. So I, I wasn't, as, as I said, I wasn't able to actually ride the ride. You three were. So talk about the actual attraction itself. How does it go? What's, what's the storyline? Well, first, you, uh, they say, oh, we can cast this spell, and it says it lifts up the bleachers, so you're kind of floating around this room for a little bit. And these are the bleachers that they normally sit in to watch a Quidditch, Quidditch match. Game. You're Correct. supposed to go to a Quidditch match is the whole thing and ride around with them. And you're floating up, I guess out of a chimney is what it looked like. I couldn't tell what it really and was. And we also want to mention that it's like a continuous... Moving ca- cart, yeah. Yeah, it's like Haunted Mansion or Buzz Lightyear that the walkway's always moving. So they're continuously each, loading. Yeah, but each seat's individual kind of. Right. Yeah, I see a, a set like four. four in 
one bench. Yeah. So you're flying around. And these benches are on a robotic arm, and that's what actually yeah. lifts you up. But right. you never see the arm. Right. So um, you go up, and you're kind of floating around, flying around with Harry. And then you come up to Hagrid, who's standing on, uh, I guess, like his bridge thing. And he's like, oh, I've lost my dragon. Where's my dragon? And then it's, that's where the dragon comes in, and it chases you for a while with Harry and everybody. And then you end up in a building, and you can see the dragons kind of destroying the building. And it, things look like it's on fire. And then you go by and the dragon blows yeah, smoke. Yeah, a robotic dragon comes out and blows smoke in your Animatronic face. dragon. Animatronic. Yes. And um, after that, you... Uh, so that's one, of the, that's one of the hallmarks of this attraction is that it's not only on this screen. It's not in 3D. Yeah, it's not... Written. But you have animatronics at different points yeah. that come out and... It goes from being like the Simpsons 3D... Not 3D, but the Simpsons kind of to animatronics. And it's always moving. And it's always like swinging you and leaning you really far back and all this. And after the uh, the dragon, you end up in the forest. With, and the spiders? With the spiders, the giant spiders that come after you. This is the dark forest. The dark the forest. Forbidden forest. And they did, a, they did a good it. job with the spiders. The spiders, the spiders are quite scary because yeah, this, this, I don't like spiders. Yeah, and the spiders they, did, they don't mention that you're going in to see all these spiders. So if people are allergic to spiders again, I'm well, afraid. 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 Yeah, I'm not actually going to get an allergy from yeah, this. But. Sorry. <laughs> it's my drugs today. What can I say? But no, the spiders are pretty freaky. And they there's a really, really big one. They're gigantic. And it's spiders. like, oh my God, get it away from me. And it's pretty. And then they got ones that come out. They don't tell you, but one kind of squirts you, I guess, with venom or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of freaky because it's dark and you kind of see it and it squirts you. And you're like, oh. Does it actually, like, you, yeah, you get wet? Yeah, yeah. You get, yeah. yeah. A couple of times, yeah. So, um,. After that, it's the Quidditch game, right? That's yeah. well. Then the the, the, the falling bra- the big branch. Oh yeah, there's a, there's a tree. I forgot the tree because it's really quick. The Whomping Willow. Yeah, there's a tree and it's swinging its arm back and forth, and you're kind of first you duck underneath it, and then you lean. Oh, you lean back, and it um it swings at you again, and it's gone. It's over after that. And these are all scenes from you know it sounds like a lot of a lot of scenes from the first two films. Yeah. Really, the spiders, the Whomping Willow, the uh, dragon, the dragon. Well, no, the dragon, I don't think, was the first two. I think that dragon was the third or the fourth. Yeah, that's right. I forgot. I got to reread them now. But um, then you go, and you're in the Quidditch field. And he, they're playing a game with and all that. And then the, the Mentors come out of the sky. The Dementors. Dementors, that's what I said. No, you said men- Mentors. No, I said Dementors. Okay. Dementors, anyway. And there's a stop there. I'm making it sick. Um, and they're chasing you around there on the screen. You're, yeah, you're flying around, and uh, they're chasing you. And then you leave the screen, and uh, there are animatronics coming at you. And some are pretty freaky. And then some are just kind of like, oh. Lame. Yeah, because yeah. at one point, it sounds like one's going, ooh. That's what it sounds <laughs> like. It honestly sounds like somebody's standing back there. So, th- some are good, and some are like the Haunted Mansion. Yeah, like, it just you, pops up at you, and you're like, oh, If my. you see them, usually if the ones that are longer, they're the longest, aren't, the free, aren't scary. If you see it more than two or three seconds, it's not scary. Now, you, you guys also mentioned that one of the things that disappointed you was that there were no scents or... Yeah, when, when we were in the burning building or building house, I was expecting to smell something burning, and there was nothing. Or the quidge field, there's no smell of grass, freshly cut grass. There's also not... If they had more wind blowing on you, it would be more simulated if you're moving. But, I mean, there's like wind blowing on your feet, but That's if it. it was more in your face... You would get the impression where, where it would be, yeah. Yeah, you would get the impression that you're yeah, moving. Yeah, because you're you're like flying around with this dragon, and you can only feel wind on your feet. And I'm thinking, where's the wind? Come on, where's the wind? 
It's it's a it's an intense ride. Uh, it when does, they talk about motion sickness, this one they really yeah, do mean it. It, yeah. it. it does rock you really fast and really far We're, back and and lean really far forward. Kathy and I thought we were going to be the first two to throw up on the ride. <laughs> so, yeah, if you're sensitive to motion sickness... This... Do not do this ride. It, it will be too much. And if, you're, if it's a question, if you possibly can, don't eat before you go on the ride. Yes. Yeah, because that was... having gone today without eating, I didn't feel nearly as bad as... The last time we had a breakfast, and then we walked immediately over there and got on it. Right. Which was just not, not a very good thing to do. Not very smart. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, which I, I would also recommend that if you don't want the humiliation of being pulled out of line and told you're too fat to ride, um, if uh, if if you think you're not going to make it, if you think you're not going to fit, okay, when, when don't even get on online. When you're walking to the castle and there's those seats to the right before you enter, sit in that, and if it closes comfortably, you're going to have a good shot. If it's questionable, you know yeah. they're going to make you sit. Although I will I will say this. In my opinion, even if you're not interested in riding the ride, I hope they do something like this where they make it a line for people who just want to walk through the queue. They should make it for that. The yeah. queue is an attraction in and of itself it and very- really should be experienced. Even if you're not going to ride the ride, you're right. You should see the queue. They've done a really excellent job. But with this, this fat patrol uh, that they're doing now, it's, I, I cannot understand... Why you would design a ride. Now, I could understand if someone is morbidly obese. There are attractions you can't get on if you're, you know, really large. But if you're not what's considered morbidly obese and you still can't get on the ride, that's an engineering failure. And my guess is they planned this ride out, they, they, they mapped it out, and then when they actually built it, they realized, oh, wait a second, from a safety standpoint, we're going to have a problem with this and decided that it would have delayed the opening too long to go back and refit it or re-engineer it. So they just they went with this. And I think this is a huge mistake. I think you're going to get a lot of people that – I mean, look around a theme park. Now, you know, the argument can be made, certainly, that, you know, America needs to lose more weight. But the argument doesn't need to be made by a theme park. Well, yeah, and the, the guy who couldn't get on, he said, okay, I know I need to lose some weight. He said, I, I know I'm overweight. But he's not, like I said, he's not o- uh, morbidly obese. You wouldn't look at him and say, no, he's, he's way too fat to ride this ride. Right, exactly. He's, you- he's an average, overweight, middle-aged guy. Do you think they changed it from, like, the first day when we were there to... No, like today the only thing because... that he said he changed was the first time they would push it to make it lock. It had to click three times, and they would actually push on it. And this time, I don't know if people were complaining that they were digging it into their stomach or whatever, but he said this time, unless it would close easily yeah, with three clicks, they would not push on it to force it shut. But what I'm saying is, are they doing this because you know how it kept breaking down? Are they thinking that maybe well, there's... here's the other problem. Yeah, here's the other problem, the problem that... If this ride, if they have to stop this ride right now, if they have to stop this ride, it can take at least an hour to reset it. Um, it is a continuously loading ride, if, and, and the queue moves. When the ride is running regularly, the, the queue moves at a, at, a, at a regular pace. If you stop moving for more than five or ten minutes in this queue, the ride's not running, and you're going to be standing there for a while. And I'm going to tell you, again, going back to this operational incompetence, that exists at Universal. I'll give you an example. Rip Ride Rocket has been open for two years now. 
And that thing still breaks down on a regular basis. And this is the hallmark. This is the crowning jewel of this area. And I think for a long time, it is going to be a huge problem. One, because so many people that have been so anxious to ride it are going to get there and find out they're too fat. And two, it's going to break down constantly. They should have been running this thing two months ago. Mm -hmm. They should have soft opened this two months ago, not three weeks. And again, incompetence, who in their right, who in their right mind... If you have something, if you have a, a ride like this that's designed in such a way that if it breaks down or it has to stop, it takes an hour to reset it, who doesn't say, okay, you know what, let's start running this a good couple of months yeah. to work out all these issues so that when we hit our grand opening. But as I noticed with the way the package was handled, as I noticed with the way irate guests were handled, as I noticed in the way the one executive said to me, you know, this will all be a distant memory in a couple of months. They're not really concerned at the end of the day about the guest experience. They will say they are, but it's all lip service. Whereas, whereas Disney will actually do something, mm -hmm. Universal will not. Universal right now just cares about getting as many people through those turnstiles as possible. And they figure, I think their attitude is, uh, we're going to make a lot of money, and some people will get pissed off, but we're still going to make a lot of money. And this is why Universal will always be the red-headed bastard stepchild of Orlando theme parks because this is the attitude that they have. This is why they will never, ever be able to really compete with Disney. If they leave the Wizarding World of Harry Potter as it is right now, this will be popular for about a year, and they are not going to get the kind of repeat visitors they're going to need to get on the, on, and the volume they're going to need to get it in order for this to be truly a success. Well, there's a third element that we have, we need to address is it's not cutting-edge technology. It's, it's not, not groundbreaking there's technology. There's nothing groundbreaking yeah. about it. I, I, the first We've day, heard this from a lot of people. The first day I said it was like The Simpsons. And now, in all honesty, it's like Spider-Man meets The Simpsons. So Spider-Man has things happening around you. The Simpsons has the same type of simulation. See, I thought, I thought it was reminding me of some of all thrills at Epcot. So if you've done that, it's the same kind of thing with... The, the graphics are not that clear yeah, the when, you're, the film, yeah. when you're outside. You know, when you're doing the, you know, the, this flying in and out, it's just not that clear. Now, when, at the end, when they're welcoming, when all the characters are yeah. welcoming you back that you made it. Oh, that part was great. That it, is incredible. It it's looks so like clear, so crisp. It looks there. like they're all standing right there talking to you. And it's phenomenal. But it's in stark is contrast. That part of it, is that part of it using the same holographic technology as you see? Yes. Yes. I, yes. I have the guess, yeah. Okay. But it's the, when you're flying around, the people look pretty good, but the the landscape is kind of blurry and grainy looking. Yeah, grainy. It's yeah. not crisp. It just it's, doesn't look. It looks like a bad video game. That I guess I guess you can't say that you have groundbreaking technology, and when you go in, it's just not there. Well, groundbreaking. You know, let's let's be clear about the definition of groundbreaking because I actually looked it up in a couple of places. You know, let's define what groundbreaking actually means one definition i think a good definition of groundbreaking being or making something that has never been done or seen or made before and i'm sorry but if their own staff is saying well it's kind of like a cross between the simpsons and spider-man because we heard staff yeah. saying this 
So if their own staff is saying that, because I remember, you know, when, when Spider-Man opened, that was groundbreaking. That was a ride. Because yes. nothing like it had been done before. Nothing like it had been done before. Um, did it borrow elements of other, uh, other attractions that existed? Yes, it but did. it took it to a whole different level. And from what I'm hearing from you guys, what we've heard from people that we've talked to, um, it you know it's a fun ride. It's, it's a not great a bad ride, ride, but it's not groundbreaking. Right. Again, it's this not. is and this is why when I say it doesn't live up to the hype, that's what I'm talking about. I'm not saying the area isn't great. I'm not saying that the the ride itself isn't isn't a great ride. It's just not what they build it. It, as. it has been misrepresented. Right. Yeah. Well, they've misrepresented this whole thing from the beginning. The same way they misrepresented this package. I, I'm, I, I understand there's, there, there's marketing spin, and then there's just being dishonest. And I think they've been dishonest. And we don't, we don't say any of this to disappoint or discourage. But I think, I, I think this is definitely a great addition to the offerings in Orlando. Uh, it's certainly a great addition to the offerings at Universal. But the hype that has surrounded this needs to be injected with a really healthy dose of reality. Oh, I know when Water and I came off the ride, we couldn't, you know, we were sort of, I don't want to say we were disappointed, but let down or... It's been a long time since I've ridden a new ride and didn't get off and immediately want to go back. Um, right. Manta, first time I did Soren, first time I did Spider-Man. I mean, all the good rides you get off and you're like, let's run back and do it again. Yeah. Kevin and I got off and we're like, oh, well, we did that. Yeah. <laughs> we start walking. Well, and my hope is that by kind of pointing these things out, that people will go in with measured expectations, a better set of expectations, and then not walk out and be disappointed. Right, right. Yeah. right. Um, it's, it's good. For what, I mean, just, you just got to know what it is. It's been represented as a theme park within a theme park. It's not. It's, yeah. it's a relatively small area. The ride is very good. It's just not groundbreaking. Yeah. There's a lot of things that it is good, and we're telling you it's good. It's just you can't go by the hype. The hype has been way blown out of proportion. Completely blown out of proportion. And I can't blame the Internet for that because everything I'm basing that on, I know, came the hype, Universal. came directly from Universal. Theme You're park right. within a theme park, groundbreaking, state-of-the-art. The queue line, the queue oh, line, yes. absolutely groundbreaking, absolutely state of the art. Now that part Brilliant. is true. Brilliant. Um, I don't know if that's where all the money got spent <laughs> or what, but there are some things that need to change. Number one, Ollivanders. They need to have an actual formal queue line for that because right now what it does is just kind of wraps around a building and around the street. It, it's mm-hmm. no real queue line for it, and this is going to be really popular. Uh, number two. There's a lot of wasted space. There are a lot of storefronts that aren't stores. They're fake. That's just facades. They're, They're going. Facades. What I don't understand is honestly why they didn't just replace all of Lost Continent. Yeah. I don't get it either. To tear down yeah. Lost Continent. You know, who needs the eighth voyage of Sinbad? Right. Who, oh, needs, who needs the marketplace with all the junk that they're and selling there? I mean, get rid of all that. Retheme the restaurant. The other and retheme the restaurant. I think that's. Honestly, what they should have done had they done that—that's a theme. Park. Added three or four new attractions, not just one. Had they really done a whole world, right? Then this would have lived up more so mm-hmm. to the hype than what you're getting. Because what you—I mean—and again, I—I I, want to be clear. I really enjoyed walking around. Oh, I did. Too. Oh, yeah. I really did. I enjoyed going in the stores, even though they're very crowded. 
And it's well, a, these are very small spaces. And we knew it was going to be crowded because it was open in um, the preview. So we knew there was going to be lots of people. But, but these stores really do not absorb. Something. They understand something. don't absorb. No, those were crowds. not. This is my point. Those were not crowds. We're talking a few hundred people oh, can you see, were like, let in. Day. What is it going to be like when thousands and thousands mm-hmm. and it's thousands of people hell. are in there? It's going to. You can't. You won't be able to move. I, I, now, maybe there are some aspects of. Uh, this area that have been designed in such a way to move crowds in a way that I can't see. Uh, so I will reserve judgment on that until after it opens. I think we must have all missed that then. But if based on seeing a few hundred people in that area and seeing how crowded yeah. it was there, I, I, I can't imagine yeah. what this is. I think there's going to be a lot of disappointed people coming out. Well, and the other problem is two rides are the same. They've just been rethemed. So it takes five minutes to get on. Well, that was, yeah, we noticed that, that even with, you know, let's say maybe at most a thousand people being let in uh, to, to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, uh, the line for Forbidden Journey was 90 minutes. The ride for Flight of the Hippogriff and for uh, a Dragon Challenge five. was five minutes. Yes. Oh, and that five minutes was the what it took. Day. Just, well, that five <laughs> minutes is just what it took you to walk through the queue line. Basically. So it's, you know, this is this is disappointing to me in, in that I think they could have done more. They, they, they spent a reported $280 million on this area, and we've spent a lot of time saying where. Where exactly did they spend $280 million? Well, they were hoping for people who have not been there, because if you have not been there, then you would do Dragon's Challenge. That would take up some of the crowd. Uh, maybe Fly the Hippogriff. So if you have all three attractions going, then it would absorb some crowds. But right now, a lot of people have already done Dueling Dragons. They don't want to do that. Everyone's going to Forbidden Journey. Dragon Challenge. Dragon Challenge. And now everyone's going to Forbidden Journey, and it can only absorb so many people. So that's that's the problem. Exactly. Um, Overall, counting everything, I give this, I give the Wizarding World of Harry Potter a 7 out of 10. Yeah. Um, What do you think, Max? Well, 7 out of 10. Right, Walter. I would have to say six only because uh, groundbreaking technology. I guess I had my hopes up to to see something I'd never seen before. I was ready to be wild, and it just wasn't there. Kathy, a six or a seven. If I was feeling generous, I'd give it a seven. Yeah, it's a seven. Yeah, seven is being generous. I, but there's one thing that we have really forgot to mention and that's a, a very it's really very important and that is the cast oh yeah the people really and truly they are so into it they are so pumped they yeah. were so good every single person we interacted with in that area was phenomenal in character and All in have character. street performers which are great the street performers were great Two different shows. The folks, the folks in the shops, the folks serving you the butter beer. Uh, it was it was tremendous. I, I got to say that the, the training, the preparation that they did there, that was good. Yes. They did great. They did great. Um, too bad they didn't communicate anything to these people, because you know, and this is so typical because these morons. And the executive suite are the ones making these idiotic decisions. And it's up to these poor guys on the front lines 
to yeah. deal with the angry cast members. They're, they were very upbeat. They were enthusiastic. And they were also trying everything and anything they could do. The frontline cast members. They were. To keep, make people happy. And apologizing when people were complaining to them about it only being open two hours or the ride being broken down. <clears throat> you could tell they were genuinely apologizing. And they're not the ones that should be apologizing. You know what? Every single one of those fools who made these decisions should be out there answering to their guests, but they're not. They're hiding. Mm-hmm. They're, they're somewhere hiding because they, they haven't got the stones to face the uh, effects of their decisions. And that bothers me to know. Oh, yeah. Keep that in mind if you do go. I mean, if, if the ride's broken or whatever, the cast Don't member there the cast member. can't yeah. do anything about it. And they really have been so good through this, this whole entire ordeal because there was a lot of pissed off people this weekend. And even when you go to guest services, if you end up going to guest services to complain, remember, they're not the ones doing it either. Um, so don't abuse them. You know, when I called guest services about my complaint with the package, I made sure I kept that in my mind, that the guy I'm talking to on the phone wasn't the one who decided to keep that right. open for two hours. He's the poor SOB that's got to take all the garbage from people. And, and the person you talked to said there was hundreds. Hundreds uh, of complaints had come in, and I, that doesn't surprise me. And before yeah. anybody says anything, aren't they called team members, not cast members? Team I members, can't remember what they call members. Members. Well, Employees. Let's just say employees. They're employees, whatever. The staff. The staff yeah. was wonderful. Was they absolutely, were. absolutely wonderful. So, I mean, really, uh, my recommendation is if you have not already booked. Oh, the other thing I want to mention too. Uh, there's a question about uh, Express Pass access for Forbidden Journey. From what I understand, on-site guests will be allowed Express Pass access once per day. On Forbidden Journey, it was going to work as normal on Flight of the Hippogriff and Dragon Challenge. But at Forbidden Journey, this is what we're hearing. We're I not going to know until it opens. But from what we're hearing, it will be open to Express Pass, on-site guests with Express Pass, one time per day. Now, so my recommendation is if you're staying on-site and you want to do the Ollivanders thing, do that first. Because mm-hmm. that's not going to be an Express Pass. Do that first because you're going to be able to bypass the lines. Keep in mind that the lines for, for, for Forbidden Journey, I can easily see going to five hours. Not because it's going to take that long to load all those people on, but because this is going to break down. This is going to break down, and when it does break down, you should expect that it's going to take an hour at least to get it started up again. Well, from what I've seen, when it breaks down, they don't turn people away. I didn't see them. I said... They just open up more lines and file yeah. more people in. Oh, really? And just keep yeah. opening more and That's more what lines. That's what they did yesterday. So it kind of seems like you're moving, but you're not. You're under the impression, I'm moving, I'm going to get there. Okay. No. Because one time you could walk straight, but then they open up a side thing okay. where you had to start going through, snaking through another things. queue. And they just kept doing that, so it would absorb more and more and oh. more people. But you weren't getting anywhere. But you didn't know that. So, so uh, in, in, I think for if you're not staying on site, uh, and you're going to be going there in the next year. You, I'm not kidding. You really need to be at Islands of Adventure an hour, at least an hour before the park opens. Yes. Be one of the first people walking through those turnstiles. Go right to Forbidden Journey. Go right to Forbidden Journey. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's the only way you're going to ride it other than taking up your entire day. You know, I feel really bad because, I mean, I watched the movie so I could understand the ride in the area better. But for the people that this was a really, really big deal for, 
you know, yes, there's something there and they're going to enjoy it, but it's not an all well, day you thing. See, I'm, you know, I consider myself to a certain degree a Harry Potter fan. I have read the books. I have watched the movies. I didn't watch them because this was opening. And I, you know, liked them from the first movie. Am I a fan to the point where I'm going to be putting on robes and neckties? No. Um, but I really, I, I, I love the stories. I love the films. I love the brilliance that went into creating these characters in this world. Um, J.K. Rowling is a once-in-a-generation talent, and maybe even more, more, more than that. Uh, so I, I, I really, I have really looked forward to this, and I, you know, I bought into a lot of this hype, and I, and that's why I, that's why I started out disappointed, because I bought into the hype and very quickly realized that that's all it was. After spending a couple of days, and again, I do this for a living, so I have to be conscious about being fair and making sure that I'm not knee-jerking before I get out and say things like this. So that's why, you know, only getting access two hours a day, we had to go back three and four times in order to make sure that we were really having this experience and that we were not being knee-jerk. And I will tell you that the more time I spent there, the more time I wanted to spend there. Uh, I enjoyed walking around. I enjoyed the breakfast. I enjoyed the shops. I enjoyed um, just that whole that the the atmosphere, yeah. the butter beer, the, the the cast, the shows, the well, the team members, whatever you want to call them. Um, <laughs> I really uh, I enjoyed all of that. So there is a lot to enjoy here. Uh, but well, the, be there, be there first thing in the morning. Be there first thing in the morning. And you've been saying from the, from the beginning, you know, manage your expectations. And even we had expectations yeah. that weren't mm-hmm. met. Yeah. And we were trying to tame our expectations. Well, I also I also went with, you know, it's very rare for Universal to open anything major. Most of my experience the last 13 years with major openings has been Disney. And I'm sorry, Disney just does a much better job. Oh, yeah. They do a much better job in, with, with expectations. They do a much better job with the organization of how they handle I remember the opening of Animal Kingdom, the soft opening of Animal Kingdom. I remember how the, how they opened a th- how Disney opened a theme park, and while there were minor operational issues here and there, it was nothing like this joke of an opening that they've been pulling since Friday. And th- honestly, there were people who should lose their jobs yeah. over this. Because you've had three years to get your crap together and in one bag, and you didn't do it. You didn't do it. And this is why you're going to, you're not, this is not going to be what they need it to be. This is why they're not going to get the repeat visitors in the volume they need to get them in order to justify the expense they made on this. This, w- it, this was their shot. This was their shot, and I think that while it will definitely attract visitors, it's not going to have the longevity it needs to have unless they do a massive expansion to this yeah, and add a lot more to it. Take out Lost Continent. Really? I mean, honestly, why would you leave Lost Continent? And Even if it was one or two smaller rides, just something. And in buildings mm-hmm. like... Hagrid's hut. I would like to go in there. It, I was thinking that exact same like, thing. Why can't I go in? Or um, what else could they do? Uh, build a forest, like a, a, a small forest, a maze, or something like that. You could do so much. There's so much. I mean, 
when you, you know, just even in the first two or three films of the series, the two, first two or three books of the series, the number of areas and creatures and experiences that J.K. Rowling created in these books give them a host of options of rides, shops, experiences, shows that they could create to do this. The Eighth Voyage of Sinbad is a great example. Probably, safely, the single worst theme park show in Orlando. Oh, I'll agree with it that. It is yeah. universally hated. You leave that when you could have done something so much more. It's right next to this area. Why not extend this over to that and do something with that? You, why they have left that show. And again, this is just shows their, their myopic vision that they leave the eighth voyage of Sinbad there when everybody hates it. Now, the main, now please, I'm sure there's going to be one or two people emailing or maybe more. I love eighth voyage of Sinbad. Well, then you really need to check your taste in things because <laughs> that just sucks. Okay. It's just a sucky attraction. The sucky show. It's the worst show it of is. any theme park in Orlando. And why they would leave that. When they could have done so much more, they and and I think that's what I was left. I was left wanting more, mm-hmm. and not in the best possible way. So, <laughs> you know, this has all the makings of greatness. They just didn't hit it with this one. Uh, I wanted this to be an out of the park home run for them. I think them. we all did, yes. Yeah. And uh, it's not. It's at best a double. Um, so go in with managed expectations. You should absolutely go and see it. Go. When the crowds are, are projected to be lighter, September, January, uh, those are the times I would be focusing on right now if you're coming in the next year, um, if not wait a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Because I think after 18 months, the vast majority of people that want to see this will have seen it. And like I said, I don't think they're going to be getting big repeat business based on it. So I think 18 months from now, uh, it'll be a lot more manageable to get through this. So that's my, that, that, that's my impression. Of it, I know there are people out there who are going to be angry that we just didn't sit here and gush over it. And but if I you, think you know, we all really felt bad when we talked about it. We, we wanted it. We wanted to gush. We wanted to say it was the best thing that ever happened. Mm-hmm. And before anybody calls me a universal hater, do your do your research. Go back and listen to other shows where I've talked about Universal. I'm anything but a Universal hater. I've loved Universal for years, but they've given me a lot of reason to pause and question. Uh, is that still you know? Are those feelings still valid? I don't think they have very good management. I know they don't have very good management. I saw it on the ground this week. I really saw it on the ground. They don't have good management. And they ought to be ashamed of themselves because they have a brilliant property in, in, in Harry Potter. And I think it would have been done much better by Disney. I think it would have been done much better, much more to scale, and would not be this level of disappointment. Disney Imagineers don't disappoint on, on this level anyway. Universal just can't play on this level. They can't because they choose not to. They choose not to do the work necessary. They choose not to put the effort into the things that make Disney successful. The attention to detail beyond theming. Yes, Disney does a great job with theming. But Disney takes it beyond that. And how they manage a new attraction. How the ideas come up for new attractions. Well, Soren's been around a while. It's still routinely two hours to get on. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, yeah. a good attraction is a good attraction. Yep. Toy Story Mania. Yes. Yeah. That's you know, still going strong. Come on. So it's, 
remains to be seen. It remains to be seen. The, the, the vast majority of, uh, of reviews are still yet to come once people actually get access to this after June 18th. So uh, absolutely, for those of you who have been there, we'd love to hear your opinions on it, good or bad. We will read them on next month's show and in the months to come. Um, we will share what other people think. Uh, you know, our opinions are just that. They're our opinions. Uh, they're no more or less valid than anybody else's. So if you loved it or hated it, write us and let us know why. Um, I'd be interested in hearing that because I would like to hear it. We all have an open mind about it. Yeah, this. absolutely. Look, I'm, I'm have no problem if they make changes and they do some things to improve some of these problems. Uh, I have no problem going coming back and saying, yep, they fixed it. Mm-hmm. Yep. They fixed it. I want this to work. I tried desperately to, you know, not be disappointed. And I'm not as disappointed after being there three or four times. I'm not as disappointed today as I was that first day. Because that was the, the first day of, like, really realizing, okay, the hype just doesn't yeah, live up to let down. the reality. So, all right, that will do it for our special... Universal Wizarding World of Harry Potter show. We hope you enjoyed it, folks. We will be back with you again next month with our next episode of the Universal Sea World show. Thanks for listening. Have a great one, and I hope all of you who go to see Wizarding World of Harry Potter enjoy it. Bye.